Feeling sad or anxious? Welcome to SBH Bronx Health Talk, produced by SBH Health System and broadcasted from the beautiful studios at St. Barnabas Hospital in the Bronx. I'm Faith Daniel. Anxiety and depressive disorders are two of the most common mental illnesses worldwide, affecting millions. They can have grave impacts on one's life. Depressive disorders go beyond the normal ups and downs that come with daily life and can affect one's ability to perform everyday tasks. One may experience a loss of interest in their favorite activities, problems sleeping, feelings of hopelessness and guilt, and in more severe cases, thoughts of death or suicide. Anxiety disorders are the most common mental health illnesses in the United States and may result in intense feelings of nervousness, panic, fear, and unease. Here with me today to shine a light on these topics is Dr. Pablo Ibanez, Outpatient Psychiatry Medical Director at SBH's Behavioral Health Clinic. Welcome, Dr. Ibanez. Thank you so much for having me. So first, I just wanted to um, learn a little bit about you and what interested you in becoming a psychiatrist. First of all, again, thank you so much for having me. Um, as you know, psychiatrists first, we are trained as medical doctors. So at first, my goal was to help patients. So that was my first reason why I went to medical school. Uh, when I was in medical school, I saw that a lot of the patients were suffering from mental illness along with the physical illnesses. So that draw me, to being able to help them do with the mental illness and their anguish, that's what draw me into the mental health field. And now that you've been working in the Bronx, what is that like? What is psychiatry like in the Bronx? In the Bronx, there are a lot of real issues. Our patients have a lot of stressors on top of their uh, medical illnesses. They have sometimes housing issues. Sometimes they have financial issues. They have a hard time finding a job. Given um, the things that go in the Bronx, sometimes there's a history of trauma. They have witnessed things that are traumatic. So all of this piles up, and in patients that are predisposed to have a mental illness, all of these are triggers that can trigger either depression or anxiety or other mental illnesses. Mm-hmm. And can we delve a little bit more into that? Like, what is anxiety? What are um, anxiety disorders? Anxiety, the way we could understand it, for, for people, when they hear the word anxiety, they think different things. What I think anxiety is, could, you could start thinking about it as worrying, like this... Um, you cannot stop thinking about something. Say, for example, you worry about your son's health and it's a thought that comes to your mind and you start worrying about it and you cannot get rid of that thought. You were in the supermarket, you're still thinking about it. You go to sleep, you cannot stop thinking about it. So when it starts taking a lot of time in your life and it starts impacting your life, then it's when we think that you should be doing something about it. And we know there's different types of anxiety disorders. Could you speak a little bit more about like the different types or the most common? The most common type is called generalized anxiety disorder, which is basically what you would think about a person that worries a lot about things. So anything that happens in their life, they would just worry more than your normal person. There are other kinds of anxiety, which could be panic disorder. In panic disorder, you have anxiety, but you also have panic attacks. A panic attack is an episode that would usually comes out of the blue, like you're doing okay, and it just comes out of the blue, and then you get this intense fear that something really bad is going to happen. You could feel like a pressure on your chest, and uh, you feel like you're going to lose control, and some people might feel like you're going to die. So it's a very, very, very intense feeling. 
and you feel really bad when you're when you're having one what i want to say for listeners that might experience panic attacks is that even when it feels like you're going to die or something bad is going to happen no one has ever died from having a panic attack it's just a feeling the expectation would be that it would get better in a few minutes five minutes 10 minutes 15 minutes some things that you could do is you can take deep breaths you can take yourself out of the situation that is causing the panic attacks some people are more likely to have panic attacks in certain situations like taking the train or going over a bridge or being in uh, places that are very high um, so sometimes if you're having one just removing yourself from the situation might help the panic attack so it's important to know the triggers or it's important to know what environments induce those feelings in order to correct but i feel like it could take a lifetime to you know figure out those things but that's why working with a psychiatrist is so important to try to figure out those triggers right correct and what about um depressive disorders what are the most common depressive disorders that you see well the most common depressive disorder that we see in the clinic is major depressive disorder in major everyone in their life can experience feelings of sadness and that is normal if you have a family member that passes away your pet passes away, um, you're going through a divorce. So there are triggers in your life where you can feel sad. When we start worrying about depression is when you have this sadness feelings that would last more than two weeks. So there's two weeks straight where you're feeling sad, low, down in the dumps. You are not enjoying things that you used to enjoy before. Maybe you're eating less than you used to eat or sometimes more. Um, you're having difficulty sleeping. Some people get feelings of worthlessness, like life is not worth living, why am I here? And then when it gets to the extreme, some people might think maybe it's not worth living, maybe things will be better if I don't wake up tomorrow. And then it can go to the point when you might even think about doing something to hurt yourself, just to alleviate the pain from the depression. When you're experiencing these symptoms, this would be a time when you would want to go and talk to a therapist and a psychiatrist. So we can, because we are here to help with the symptoms. And for someone that's experiencing that, um, if a loved one is witnessing them experience that, how do they go about talking to them or convincing them? Like, you know, maybe it is time for you to see somebody. You know your family member or your friend better than anybody else, but usually you would approach them and you can tell them, I can see that you're going through something and it is normal to feel sad in the circumstances that you're in. But... I get the feeling that this is not getting better, that you're still down in the dumps, it's been three months, you're still not eating right, you're still not going to school or not going to work, you're spending most of your day in bed, so I don't want to see you like this, so this might be a good time that you can go talk to someone. Mm -hmm. The first step would be you can talk to your primary care provider. The primary care provider, can you can let them know how, the way you're feeling. And sometimes they can direct you. They might start you on medication if they think it's appropriate. And sometimes that's all it takes. If your feelings are worse or you're having thoughts of suicide, that would be a good time when you would just go and talk to a psychiatrist. And what does that mean to seek help? So say I... I feel really sad and I go and see a psychiatrist. I'm really nervous about it. Um, what would that look like? So maybe I'll put myself in the position of somebody that's going to see you. Um, walk me through what that would look like, that first visit. When you come to our clinic, you would see a psychiatrist, but you also see a therapist. So usually the first person that you would see is the therapist that's going to be assigned to your case. So the therapist will take a very thorough history of 
when your symptoms started, how you're feeling, the things that you've tried, if they've worked, if they haven't worked, and they will give you a li- some tips on how you can deal with your symptoms right now as you're talking to the therapist. Then the next step is you get to see the psychiatrist. All of the patients that come to our clinic get to see the psychiatrist. The psychiatrist will do the same thing, will review your history, will not ask you all the same questions because you already have them from the therapist, but will go more in, more in depth into your symptoms and will assess, will give you a diagnosis and they will assess if medications would be appropriate for you. So it's important to have like a therapist as well as a psychiatrist or does one go, could one like see only one or like, how does that work? The way we think about it is treatment for depression and anxiety, medications help, therapy help. And the studies say that people that do both are the ones that do the best. So one approach would be for patients with mild to moderate depression, if they're not willing to start medications first you could go try to do it with therapy alone. So that could be a first step. You always have choices. It doesn't The fact that you see a psychiatrist doesn't mean that you're going to be put on medications right away. So if you're not interested in medications and your depression is not so severe, you could try with therapy first. One kind of therapy that we has been proven to work is cognitive behavioral therapy. And could you talk a little bit more about what that would look like or... Cognitive behavioral therapy, the word cognition means think. So when you say cognitive behavioral therapy, it, what we're saying is that the way you feel comes from the way you think. If you can think differently, you will feel differently. Mm. So an example would be, this is a simple example, would be you're in school and you don't pass a test. That is something that happens, could happen to anyone from not passing this test, you can have an automatic thought. Some patients that have depression and anxiety have more of certain negative automatic thoughts. So you don't pass your test in school, you might say, well, the teacher doesn't like me. Uh, Since the teacher doesn't like me, I'm never gonna be able to pass this class. If I don't pass this class, I'll never be able to graduate. If I don't graduate, I won't be able to go to college. If I don't go to college, I won't be able to have enough money. If I don't have enough money, I won't be able to pay my rent. Then my landlord will take me to court and then I wound up homeless. It's like a downward spiral kind of thing. Yeah, the snowballing. This kind of thought is called catastrophizing, making things worse than they are. So there are patients that have depression and anxiety have more of certain negative thoughts that makes them feel from thinking this way, you feel sad and anxious. Somebody else might say, well, I didn't pass my test in school. I'll studying more next time, I'll take it in a couple of weeks, everything probably will be okay. So with the same thing that happens in your life, depending on how you think about it, you will feel differently. So cognitive behavioral therapy teaches you how to identify your negative thoughts and how to switch them for better thoughts to feel better. And I think especially in our community, in a lot of communities of color, there's a lot of stigma around mental health, um, getting help, um, seeking therapy or seeing a psychiatrist as being like a weakness or something like, you know, I have to figure this out on my own. Um, And I mean, growing up in the Bronx myself and also struggling with anxiety and depression myself um, and having a lot of performance anxiety, so kind of like catastrophizing and stuff. Um, sometimes you could end up applying that to also getting treatment and mm-hmm. that could 
very much be like the thing that's like holding you back which could be like so frustrating where you're kind of like I'm catastrophizing like getting help and then I'm also like catastrophizing within like my everyday life um so for somebody like me that is like anxious about even like seeking help or getting on medication how would you have that conversation the way we think about mental illness now is different than before in the past mental illness could be seen or some people saw it as a moral failure like it's my fault because i'm feeling depressed it's something that i did wrong or in a religious person is like maybe god is punishing me for something that i didn't do correctly we see mental illness now more in a biological from a biological point of view so the way we see mental illness the current train of thought is that some people have a genetic predisposition from having a mental illness so it's not something that you did you just just born you're more likely to have depression or anxiety just because of your genes and then to that you add a trigger something bad happens in your life you're in an environment where you experience trauma or your parents died at a young age something happened you get those two together and then you experience depression and anxiety the same way people don't feel shame if they have diabetes and they go to their doctor and they have to take insulin, uh, we see it in the same way. If you're having depression and anxiety, it's not necessarily that you did anything wrong or you don't have yourself to blame, but the right thing to do is just to go to the right professional and get treatment. Mm -hmm. Right, and I've had this conversation actually with my own therapist who's amazing, and her thinking, because I also ended up being like, well then, like, everybody struggles. Everybody has um, sadness, like, why me kind of thing? And she proceeded to say two people could have asthma one person could have severe asthma where they're in like a hospital versus somebody that can have a more mild asthma but they both have pumps they both have medication even though there's different levels to it everybody has their own way of um, treating it and that doesn't mean that you now just because everybody is struggling with something that doesn't mean that you should not seek help mm-hmm. and I think you're right thinking about it from like a, it's not your fault this is something like it's genetic it's something that's like out of your reach is important for a lot of people to hear I think because they kind of like go down that downward spiral again of blaming um, and I also think it's important for family members to hear this as well as the ones that are putting that shame or kind of putting that idea I think another nuance to it is the religion aspect that you mentioned especially within the West Indian community my family as well they kind of like just prey on it and if you're dealing with depression or if you're dealing with anxiety sometimes you need a little bit more help than just talking about it with like your mom or dad it's a little deeper than that correct you could do both I'm not sometimes religion has a negative impact but it also can have a positive impact people that are religious Usually when they're going through illnesses, they usually and they have faith, their mm-hmm. faith helps them through things. So it's not just a negative thing. But yes, you have to you can be religious and also look for help, mm-hmm. seek for help at the same time. Yes. And that's important that spirituality goes together. Like you of course we want people to have spirituality and of course we want people to believe in um, you know, having hope, but also like getting help is not deterring you away from that or like vice versa. Yes. Yeah, that's very true. And could you speak? I know you mentioned a little bit about a therapist um, and psychiatrist. So what are the different, like the fundamental differences between like a therapist, a psychiatrist and, and a psychologist? That is like, a very interesting question because very often people get them confused. So I'll start with a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist is someone that has gone through medical school. 
So a psychiatrist has the same medical school training as a surgeon or an eye doctor, just go to medical school. Then you get your specialty, your residency, then you do it in psychiatry, four years of training where you specialize only in treating mental illness. So when you go see a psychiatrist, you're seeing a medical doctor that is gonna ask you about your medical conditions, is gonna review your blood work, can order blood work and different tests, and can also prescribe your medication. When you see a therapist, a therapist can either be a social worker with special training or a psychologist. These two different providers do not go to medical school. They have they go they go to college and they get their training, but it's not medical training. So they are trained to give talk therapy. So they can do all different kinds of therapy, but they will not be doing medical things like reviewing your blood work or prescribing your medications or giving you medical advice. It would be more towards talk therapy and all different kinds of therapy, like cognitive behavioral therapy or different kinds of therapies. And they all work together. Right? And we mm-hmm. definitely work together, correct. And so just to talk a little bit more about like supporting and encouraging family members that may be struggling, say if somebody is in therapy and they are seeing a psychiatrist, um, and you know, of course, like there's ups and downs with everything, even while you're in treatment, how does a family member support somebody through that while they're in treatment? Uh, support in which way? Um, how do they, you know, in- encourage them to continue to get treatment? How do they in- encourage them outside of, like, when they're at home? Like, how right. to, you know, implement okay. those practices? So one thing that we have to be mindful in psychiatry is that things don't change very fast. Right. So it would be an unrealistic expectation to think that you're feeling depressed and anxious and you've been feeling this way for six months. And then you'll see your psychiatrist and your therapist for a month and then everything will get better. Things change very slowly. So therapy works slowly and our psychiatric medications also work slowly. These are medications that you take daily, but you have to give them time to work. So a family member could encourage the patient just telling them this, that you have to stick with it. You have to stick taking the medications. If you took your medications for two weeks and you're not feeling any better, don't just stop taking your medication. Go back to your psychiatrist, tell them how you're feeling, that things are not getting better, maybe they'll increase it, maybe they'll switch it to something else, but just stick with it, and then things should start improving. It's true. I When I started, I was very reluctant to taking medication, actually. And after I saw my psychiatrist, you know, after the first month, like, I didn't see a change. And I was, like, so frustrated. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, I don't want to do this anymore. And after they, you know, they worked with me because, you know, the first time may not be the one that works. Correct. So he had to, like, up my dosage. And then I saw the difference and I felt the difference after two months. And I felt so much better. So you're right. Like, it's a marathon. And it's something that you work through. Correct. Your story is more, uh, is not an exception. This is what is to be expected. Things take a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. Right. And for somebody um, that has like minor symptoms, like how do they cope at home? Like uh, what are some tips that you would recommend? If your symptoms are mild, you're not having thoughts of not being here, you're not having thoughts of suicide, you're just feeling low, feeling like you don't wanna get out of bed. Some things that you can do is, which is actually the opposite of what you feel like doing because you feel like staying in bed all day, but just push yourself. So uh, exercise works. So we know that patients that exercise, that mood is better. So if you're at home, just push yourself, maybe go outside, walk for 30 minutes, get some light. Being outside in the light definitely improves your mood. 
So that is something that you can do. Have some goals, something that you plan to achieve today. Instead of having endless days with nothing in mind, just set yourself some goals. So my goal today is going to be, you can have minor goals. Take a shower, go outside, do my grocery shopping, prepare myself some meal, and then maybe call a friend. So having some goals just makes you, when you achieve the goals, makes you feel better that you achieve what you set up to do for that day. Right. It's very true. I also, um, I had started doing a gratitude like book um, that helped me a lot, like setting goals and then kind of reflecting on the things that I was able to accomplish. And it also helped me kind of like highlight that there's positivity like within the day, even when I couldn't like see it, it just Correct. forced me to do it. And also like writing really helped me as well. Um, so if anybody's out there that's really creative, that likes to write, that likes to draw, that's also something that's really helpful That as is well. a very good point. You could think about the things that you used to enjoy before. Some of my patients would say, well, I used to like playing guitar. And I'll ask them, when was the last time you played guitar? Two years ago. So maybe just if you, even if you don't feel, maybe picking up the guitar and playing might mm-hmm. help your mood. Right. I actually like started like writing and I found creativity from my journey and from all the pain that I felt. Mm -hmm. So it's sometimes like it's really difficult to see the light or to see the positivity within it. But once you've kind of like made that like huge step uh, out of it, you get to reflect and see like there are some things that you gained. You learn so much about yourself. You learn so much about your history, about your relationship. um, And those things are really important to kind of move forward. Yes. I think you touch a good point. When you are depressed part of the depression is you are not able to see how things could be different or how the things could actually improve you're in a state when you think that everything is going to go wrong everything is negative nothing is ever going to get better which is why look seeking for help we talking to your therapist they help you see things from a different point of view mm-hmm. gives you hope you start getting better right yeah and just for the listeners there is hope there's help out there. There are so many people that love you and care about you and want you to get better. And it will. It will. And even though, you know, when you're stuck in that, you kind of just see black. But there will be that, like, tiny spark of light that will just keep growing very mm-hmm. soon. <laughs> and are there any resources um, for our listeners to check out if they want to learn a little bit more or things that they can um, review? We spoke about cognitive behavioral therapy. So I have these uh, couple of books that I usually recommend to my patients and we'll put the link on the show notes. The first book is called Feeling Good and the author is David Burns. So this, this book uses cognitive behavioral therapy like we talked about identifying the negative thoughts so that you can work yourself on switching them for better thoughts. And it gives you, it walks you through it, it has tables, it gives you examples. So this is something that you can do on your own. And then there is another one also using cognitive behavioral therapy that is called the Anxiety and Worry Workbook. And this one is by David Clark and Aaron Beck. So it uses the same techniques, more focused towards anxiety. Awesome. So thank you, Dr. Ibanez, for joining us on SBH Bronx Health Talk. Again, for more information on our behavioral health services available at SBH Health System, visit sbhny.org or call to make an appointment at 718-960-3070. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.